You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. Hey again, listeners, it's Mark Bird. I'm back with Time to Revive and another exciting episode that we have to look into God's Word to just really talk about the good things of God. Joining me remotely today is a pastor friend of mine that I met a few years ago by the name of Tad Sponseller. Tad, welcome to the program today, brother. Good to be here. Tad pastors a church kind of farther away than he was from me before (laughs) when we met. And so he kind of keeps going east. He's heading east, young man. But he (laughs) pastors a, a church there called Congress Community Church. It's in West Salem, Ohio. And bro, I guess if you've ever been there, you probably know exactly what it's about. But if you haven't been there, hopefully your interest has peaked. So if you live anywhere near West Salem, Ohio, stop by and tell Tad hello. Tad, how are you so moved by God that you're like, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere? I'll even follow you to West Salem, Ohio. (laughs) Can you take us through that journey a little bit, Ted? Well, well, this is, this is a little bit of a, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Methodist denomination. And so we really have the uh, benefit of that. We, we are called by the Bishop to, to be placed where we go. And so we really fly by the seat of our pants sometimes with that. But in this move, my wife grew up in this community. She graduated from the school system. So uh, coming to West Salem was a little bit like coming home because we had lived in the area when I was attending seminary. So it's a, it's been a journey. Yeah, that's for sure. And when you become a pastor, especially if you move away from what you consider home, you don't always necessarily think you're going to come home. And so this has been an interesting one. But and we started this appointment uh, our ministry here, uh, the January before COVID hit. So it was a uh, fly by the seat of your pants because uh, we were adapting to a new church and a new church family, new church culture, community. Uh, and so it's been a wild, wild ride these last two years, but God is good. And, and God has been doing amazing things, even in the midst of the, the COVID stuff with the congregation here. Yeah, that's so, so good, Tad. And, you know, it's amazing. I met Tad literally as I was in route to another community on the east side of Ohio to pursue revival. And here I was uh, referred to Tad by someone in his community who said, now this is a man of God. Now this is somebody you got to connect with. And out of the blue, I connected with Tad and we stopped and had coffee together for the very first time. And Tad became what we refer to in revive as an instigator. Tad, I don't know if you've ever been called a name like that before, brother. I've I, I've been called an instigator before. I have. Yes. <laughs> I, sure. And it's interesting because in our culture, the word instigator usually means something bad. But if you actually look up the definition, it just means somebody that starts something. And so, you know, Tad, you were for us a fire starter, literally. You were like, it didn't take very long in our conversation to know that we want to pursue revival. We know that as a church, we have got to get out there, you know, period, yes. Tad. Yeah. You were already doing some things, 
you were already getting out there and trying to get your church out there. But today, as we begin this conversation, Ted, it's so funny. Literally, I opened up my Bible to sit down and talk to you. And the listeners know this. We don't pre-plan or premeditate any of this stuff. We literally trust the Holy Spirit to give us all the content. And so it was so Hallelujah. funny. You'll probably <laughs> chuckle in this, Dad. I opened up my Bible to the book of Jonah. And oh, isn't it funny? Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Here you are. And as you're talking about this, like, wow, do I really want to go to what was the name of the city, the little church that you were at when I met you, Tad? I was in the outside Fredericktown Village That's uh, in in Knox County, and I was pastoring a church in a little crossroads. You could call it, well, no, it was just a crossroads uh, called Waterford, Ohio. Right. Yeah, and so, but it's part of the Fredericktown address, but Waterford Church, and it was, I was pastor two churches. So Waterford Church and Salem Church in the Fredericktown community. Yeah, and so just like that, I mean, I just think it's hilarious with God's sense of humor on this, but all of a sudden we open up the book of Jonah, and it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, chapter one, verse one, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And as you know, the story, Jonah was not excited about that call, right? No, not at all. So what I want to talk about today, I felt like uh, as we were praying before we we turned the uh, recorder on today, Dad, I felt like the Lord said, we're going to talk about the heart today, meaning the heart of evangelism. The listeners know, those of you that have been tuning in, we're on this series called Evangelism and Discipleship. And you know what? It's not about doing a program. We're never pushing a program of evangelism or a program of discipleship. And what it is, Ted, it's the heart of, because it's the heart of the Father. So, Tad, can you talk a little bit about that very thing? Like, What is the heart of the Father when it pertains to evangelism and discipleship? To start off, let me say this. My thought about discipleship is that we are always discipling people. By the very nature of us being in relationship with other people, we are always discipling people. We are always influencing them or leading them in a direction. The question is, where and what are we discipling them into? That's are we good. discipling them into the ways of the world? Are we discipling them into the ways of ourselves? Or are we living Christ before them and drawing them and leading them, pointing them to the heart of the Father? Right. And, and that's the key. And because just me being in the churches that I've pastored, there hasn't been maybe as effective a discipleship. I've come into situations where there was a great need for discipleship and it can be very hard to get that kicked over and evangelism (laughs) because where there is a lack of discipleship, there is necessarily going to be a lack of evangelism. That's good. Just because there's a lack of direction and there isn't that unction or urgency to share because the, the spiritual life has become a little bit flat possibly. That's good. And we don't want to be judgmental about that. But my, my father-in-law, when I worked for him, he always said, don't fix the blame, fix the problem. Mm. <laughs> and, and there's tons of things in the church 
writ large, but also in the local church that you can point to as a problem. But rather than fixing the blame about why it is, you fix the problem. And if you focus on God's word and discipleship, the problems can then be fixed because in discipleship, we become more like Christ. We are, we are being sanctified. Amen. And as we are sanctified, God gives us his heart and he leads us and burdens us with uh, concern and care for the lost people around us. And evangelism should start to happen naturally. But there is definitely a sense that I think teaching evangelism is it should be a part of discipleship so that people understand how important it is and that it's necessary. And the fact that there is maybe a breakdown in discipleship means that people don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. Maybe they're not, maybe they're even scared to death to pray. They're scared to death to read God's word. And because no one's taken them along and say, this is how we live into Christ. And I tell my people here at Congress that for heaven's sake, Jesus Christ took 12 men and lived with them every day for three years. Come on. Now, the Holy Spirit unlocked all of that and empowered it. But Jesus Christ spent three years with these guys and he discipled them. He lived before them. He didn't just, we in the church, sometimes someone can pray a sinner's prayer and we'll just, we'll almost push them into the deep end. It's like, well, hey, do you want to be on this board? Do you want to be on this committee? Do you want to do this thing? Rather than giving them the pieces that they need to be built up in the Lord. And I, sometimes we just have to pull back and say, let's not put the cart before the horse. <laughs> let's let's live and model and share life together, which that's the key. To, that's what being the church is all about. Amen. Brother. It's not, it's not just worshiping on a Sunday. It, it's living life together and pouring into one another and discipling one another so that we can get out there and, and do what God desires us to do. It's awful interesting because the listeners will say, oh, I think you guys have been talking a lot lately because you sound like me, brother. And I'm well, just it's the Holy, absolutely it's the Holy Spirit, it. man. It's the Holy Spirit, man. And we, we know and, and we know that we have we have a, a resonance like that in the spirit. That's why right. we hit it off so well those years ago. So <laughs> that's so true, brother. And, you know, I'm going to go back to the text for just a second, because I, I'm so glad you touched on that, Tad, and you touched on the local church. And so Again, we talk about this a lot because you know what, Tad, we are the church. You and I are the church and everybody yeah. mm -hmm. listening, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you're the church as well. So we're not just yeah. picking on someone else that goes into a different building on Sundays. We're looking at yeah. ourselves and we're saying, hey, yeah. you know, exactly how you described Tad, like, okay, well, let's be a part of the solution. Yeah. Right. Well, if, and, if we want to see change in the church as a large, you know, the whole body of Christ, because the body of Christ isn't just my local congregation where I choose to worship. It is like for here where I'm at in the greater West Salem area, we have to see other churches as being a necessary part of who we are in living into the full image of Jesus Christ. I was just Bible study yesterday morning in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three, Paul says, 
that the church is the fullness of Christ. And now we want to live into that as a local church, but we also need to understand that we need to rely, I need to rely on the, the non-denominational church down the road, the church of the brethren down the road, the Baptist church down the road. We have to lean into one another together and then lean into the spirit, lean into Christ together so that this community can see the fullness of Christ at work. Brother, if that's not the heart of the Father, I mean, you, you really can't read 1 Corinthians 12 without knowing and understanding the parts of the body and how oh, yeah. they function together and how they need each other. You know, it's interesting. I had a pastor friend of mine share with me somewhat recently about that. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this for sake of example on the air as well, Tad, and you'll, you'll understand this, but, you know, Tad, how are you and your liver getting along? Well, I don't tend to think about that too much, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's the point of it. But how much do you need your liver? Oh, I'm in trouble without that. <laughs> exactly. And it's the same with all of us. So as you mentioned, those other things, like there might be a listener sitting here listening and said, oh, you better not bring up that church down the road. Like, hey, don't talk about them. But what if they were, as it were, your liver? Would you treat them any differently if your well, life depended upon it, just as well, same as our lives depend on the well, liver? It, well, and I think what we're getting is, is it does. And so that raises a deep question, is that if there's strife and disharmony in the body, what are we willing to undertake to help another local church, especially if they're not part of the same tribe we are? Come on, brother. And, and what are we willing to undertake to, to care for them, to pray for them, to transplant health potentially into that part of the body? Obviously, I, I, I was a missions major in Bible college, so we don't want to stop sending people to other cultures. But what if the local church sent a missional team to another church in the community to transplant health, to reignite the life of the spirit? in a church. And I think we don't often think like that as a church because we get so tribal, because right. we try to think so much about our tribe and, and what, well, the, there's this, that, and the other difference between us. Right. In fact, I was just looking at something this morning that uh, Stephanie Benedict posted about the Moravians. Amen. And an outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens because they had these different groups, these different denominations together, but they said, well, we're not going to talk about what sets us apart or makes us different. We're going to focus on what we share and we all share Christ. And Paul has some powerful things to say about that because our unity isn't necessarily in doctrine or theology. It's in Christ. Amen. It is in the Holy Spirit. And so we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, we do. You know, what's amazing. I was just sharing with a pastor's group last week this very fact that it takes as much energy to think about and talk about what separates us as it does what unites us. What do we agree upon? What are, what are the foundations that we agree on as a Christian believer, right? But yeah. what do we tend to focus on and put that same amount of energy into? It's all the things that divide us, the things that we see differently on. But literally, it takes no more effort to talk about the things that unite us. Hey, thank you, Jesus, for the blood yeah. that Jesus shed on the cross. 
Yeah. Well, and it's the, it's the insidious nature of the enemy, too, is to always get us focusing on what divides us. And if we tie this into Jonah, you know, here we've got Jonah. God's calling him to proclaim a redemption to a people that are hopelessly lost. And Jonah's basically like, I don't want them. Jonah's, my, this is my take on Jonah. I don't want to go to Nineveh because I know you're going to forgive them if they repent. And I don't want you to forgive them Amen. if they repent. So he's basically saying, I don't want them to be a part of your body. And, That's and, so he's, good. and he, he takes it so to heart. He runs the other direction until he has to begrudgingly say, fine. And then even when he proclaims a call to repentance to them and they repent and God miraculously receives them, he's still bitter and he's a little child. And he says, I knew you were going to do that, God. That's why I didn't want to do this. You know? Yeah. (laughs) That's a comfort for us because that means we can still be petulant little children and God can still use us. He can. I need to hear that myself sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's somebody listening today because this is a common situation, Tad, and you'll understand this being a pastor. So you might be a part of a family, okay, that is a bit of a, I'll use the term Brady Bunch family. Maybe you yourself or a part of a family, a blended family, I think we call it today's culture, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You might be a part of that, and you might be like, well, I don't want my dad to love my stepbrother or stepsister, whatever that is. I don't want them to love them as much. Like, I don't want my dad or my mom to adopt them per se. But see, that's the same thing that we're saying. God, we don't want you to adopt that denomination because they're different from us. They don't believe like us. How could you possibly love them when they don't think right? I mean, that's how we really, we may not say it, but that's what we think. That's the scandal of grace, though. <laughs> it is, brother. Grace is grace is way better than we could ever conceive of because it don't matter one lick what we think. <laughs> God wants really, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter much what Jonah thought, right? Because yep. I, I thought it was funny when I was reading this text, Jonah chapter one, verse three. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's out and out well, rebellion. Well, and I, well, yeah, and I think that's something that we overlook when we read texts like this because we become so familiar with it. He is, yeah, it's rebellion, like you said, but he yeah. is, he's, he's wanting to divorce himself from the heart of the Father. That's it, and that's that's huge, man. That's absolutely huge, and most of us would, at least on the surface level, if someone asked us, "Hey, do you want to flee from the presence of God and 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 His heart?" Most of us would just knee-jerk reaction say, oh, no, 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 no. Right. But when it comes down to it, we can be so much like Jonah in that when God puts before us how he wants us to live into that heart, are we willing to say yes to what he's asking us to do? That's Hopefully true. we don't flee. And most of us maybe don't flee, but we rest on our laurels at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah, jo- Jonah is like absolutely not i'm going the other way yeah flee from his presence i that's one of those ones that it's like blow your mind i'd never really latched on to that in that verse before exactly wow it's so good it's so rich but what's amazing is you're right tad whether we actually say that out of our mouths or not 
it's probably locked in and we've thought it before. Like, I oh, yeah. really don't want any, like God nudges us and says, hey, you know, you probably ought to talk to, and it doesn't have to be a whole city called Nineveh, right? Yeah. It yeah. might be the person standing across from you at the gas pump. And all of a sudden sure. it's like, why is my attention somewhat drawn to them? And we've all been there, Tad. I'll say this as yeah. an example. And I share this in, in cities. You ever been in a checkout line? I don't care. At the grocery store at Walmart, somebody been in a checkout line and everybody in the line knows that that clerk is having a bad day. You ever been <laughs> yeah. in one of those lines? Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. what is it? It's it's real. You feel the tension, right? You feel yeah. the tension is is high. Why? Because you know that that person is having a bad day. And so what do we do? Honestly, what do we normally do, Tad? And that is hurry up, check out and get out of there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what we really do. But what would happen if we said, hey, how can I pray for you today? It could yeah. change the atmosphere. It could change that person's day. It literally could. Well, if we if we truly want to live into our calling to be persons of peace, right, and and to be ministers of reconciliation, that Paul clearly tells us we are, then it requires us to be willing. To I mean, what if we lived in the idea that we are really adopted into the family of Abraham? And we are children of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Amen. And we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom that God wants to make manifest on this earth. And that if we believe the Lord's prayer, Christ inclines us to say, Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We have to be willing to be a part of that. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to bring the aroma and the presence of the kingdom everywhere we go as believers. The spiritual temperature should change. Amen. Because so we bring it. Jesus Christ and we bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit Light everywhere we go. Amen. Yeah. Tad, let me let me throw out this thought to you because getting back to the core of the heart of the Father, if I make this statement, I want to I want to see how this resonates with you or not. And we cannot love our neighbor as Jesus instructed us to, right? We cannot even do that without the heart of the Father. No, no. The, the, we, the, fact, that, the fact that we are born in sin, and, and Paul, again, Paul says that uh, before we, while we, even while we were enemies yeah. of God, Christ died for us. Amen. He died so that he could enable our justification and new birth, and so that through sanctification— we could have that heart. We can't manufacture that on our own. We can't just make ourselves, force ourselves and self-help ourselves into loving people as Christ loves people because we're selfish. (laughs) I mean, that's what it boils down to, right? That person wronged me. I don't want to love them or any multitude of things. And so it requires a work of the spirit to, to birth and form and shape and grow us into the love of Jesus Christ, both in receiving it and offering it. We are called to be conduits of blessing. Everything we receive, we should be giving out in some way everywhere we go. That's so good, bro. I'm, I'm taken to the text over in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 2, so Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, starting in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And without mm-hmm. going into a whole nother teaching in the next two minutes, <laughs> but just exactly how you were describing this, Tad, and what a miracle it is that God has given us his spirit so that we would know the mind mm-hmm. and the heart of the Father. And I say this all the time, Tad, what a miracle it is that God has shared his spirit with me, his Holy Spirit. Okay. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, folks. For those of you that this may be a new concept, God has shared the Holy Spirit with us so that we can know the heart. We can know the mind and we can think like him. And ultimately, I think so that we can love like him. Yeah. God doesn't want his will to be this huge secret that we have to struggle and strive to discover. He wants us to be in such a deep relationship with him that we listen to the voice of the shepherd and we have all the barriers in our heart annihilated down so that when, when the shepherd speaks, we listen and obey. And because we know that when we follow the voice of the shepherd, he has created those divine appointments. He's the Holy Spirit's prepared the way so that what he has asked us to do will bear some kind of fruit. And it's not on us for the results. We're just called to be faithful and to sow. And we just have to be faithful to listen. And that's a scary place, especially for new and younger believers. But sometimes it's even scary for more mature believers, you know, and we just have to be willing to well, we have to know the voice of the of the shepherd. <laughs> yeah, we amen. have to know the voice of the shepherd, and the and, more we can be assured that we are hearing God's voice, listening and obeying. And it's going to be hard for the listeners to think that you and I haven't been talking every day for the last several years. Ted, yeah. <laughs> you sound a lot like me. But what I would love to leave behind for everybody that's tuned in today, I would love to leave this thought behind to you because this is reality. So in the instance that I shared, it's literally a testimony. So I've been in a checkout line and I've seen that the clerk is having a very bad day and everyone in that line is in a major hurry now to get through and not to have to deal with the attitude of that checkout line. But here's what I want to point out. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, who we've been talking about, Tad, he goes before us? Amen. Because in that situation, he said to me, Mark, that checkout person is having a very bad day. And I want you to speak to them. In fact, I'd like you to pray for them. Well, and if you want to get really crazy, maybe this, I believe in divine appointments, that the sovereignty of God put you in that time and in that place for that very purpose. And the end of the story there, Tad, as we wrap up the program today, is I did that time. I was obedient. And I stepped out and I said, hey, listen, I see you may be having a bad day. How, how can I pray for you? What, what's going on that I can pray for you? And literally this clerk stood there, immediately began to weep. 
because they were having some severe family issues that I won't go into for sake of time. But all I was able to do was apply, as the Bible describes, that healing balm of Gilead, right? That just peace, that healing, that touch, just by a prayer, because the Holy Spirit led me to them. The Holy Spirit gave me the unction in my heart to step out. And the Holy Spirit did the work in their heart, because at least I hope they didn't cry just because I'm ugly. But I know that God, God in his sovereignty, created a divine appointment for me. He highlighted that person, and that was a time that I was obedient and stepped out in faith. Tad, man, I tell you, we could go on and on. I know we We could. (laughs) And we have. (laughs) And I pray that we will again. So if you would be open to coming back sometime, I I would love to have you back and unpack some more of this. But folks, thanks for tuning in this week again. Tad Sponseller from clear over in West Salem, Ohio, pastoring the great church of Congress community. And we just thank you and tune in again next week. We'll have a new guest from a new area and you will be blessed. You've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Rise FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at risefmohio.com. Rise FM Podcast Network.